and welcome to the Millennial Health Podcast. I'm Dr. J. Sheree Allen, a board-certified family physician who's passionate about the health of my fellow millennials. I know we're booked and busy, but your first wealth is your health. So I'm taking some of my most important health messages and bringing them here to you on this podcast. My goal is to share some valuable information and draw awareness to some important health topics, but I encourage you to please consult your physician for personalized medical advice. So today on the Millennial Health Podcast, we have Dr. Supriya Rao. She's a board-certified physician in internal medicine, gastroenterology, and obesity medicine. That's a boss. (laughs) She's a managing partner of her GI practice, Integrated Gastroenterology Consultants, located in Chelmsford, Massachusetts, and the director of the medical weight loss at Lowell General Hospital. Dr. Rao, welcome to the Millennial Health Podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Jayshree. This is awesome. Great. Could you tell us a little more about yourself and your journey to medicine, specifically choosing GI as a specialty? Sure. So um, in undergrad, I had no interest in becoming a doctor. You know, being a South Asian, um, you know, daughter of immigrants, it was kind of expected that I would become a doctor. And I was oftentimes uh, encouraged, but I had really no interest. But uh, as I was going through college, I kind of liked my more sciencey subjects. I was actually going to do computer science, but I liked more of the natural sciences and biological sciences. I just kind of gravitated towards them. And so as I got into it, I was like, okay, let me just at least look into the whole doctoring thing and, you know, maybe volunteer at a hospital. I volunteered um, at Beth Israel in their neonatal ICU and really kind of fell in love with um, medicine at that time and decided, okay, my junior year, totally switched tracks and decided to consider medicine. Um, thankfully got into medical school. And uh, at that point, I knew I wanted to do internal medicine. I just really liked the whole uh, breadth of adult medicine in general and just kind of like the good foundation it would give uh, me as a practicing physician. And uh, I really just enjoyed my internal medicine rotation quite a bit. Um, I, could, I didn't decide about GI until my intern year uh, during residency. Um, I was actually trying to decide between uh, GI, infectious diseases, and pulmonary critical care. I liked all three of those a lot. Cardiology, I knew for sure. I was like, no. <laughs> but um, I actually had a really great mentor when I was on my GI rotation. Uh, his name is David Katzka. He uh, works at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester right now. And he uh, just was like one of those master clinicians. You you just learn just by osmosis, you know, just being around him. I felt like I was learning so much. And he really made GI a really enjoyable um, field. And I like the procedural aspect of it um, quite a bit. I like being able to do procedures as well as take care of a multi-organ systems. Honestly, uh, within gastroenterology, you deal with the pancreas, the colon, the stomach, you know, the liver. So it's like, you know, again, a lot of internal medicine, uh, many organ systems and uh, just really, you know, kind of fed my academic curiosity and then the procedural aspect, like I mentioned. Um, so yeah. 
That's super exciting. And shout out to the Mayo Clinic. I did my residency there. So oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's super awesome. Yeah. So can you tell us actually a little about your private practice and sure. how you decided to get into that? Because I think the business of medicine is a whole another subject for another yeah, day. Yeah, I totally agree. It's definitely something that we are never taught in medical school or residency. You know, from the very beginning, I had a pure academic focus, research, you know, all of that, staying in a tertiary care center. Um it was almost looked down upon in a way to think about private practice. And when I went to fellowship, I did my fellowship in Boston. You know, again, they were kind of like very much pushing research. And I enjoyed that part of it, but we never got any exposure. And um, my program director just happened to mention, oh, there's a practice outside of Boston looking, you know, in case you just want to hone up your interview, interview skills, essentially. And so um, I interviewed with them and I was interviewing at a few academic positions as well. And this practice was a very academic practice in the sense everyone trained at really great places. You know, everyone knew exactly what they were talking about with regards to GI. And I was able to kind of come in on the ground level and build up. I'm really interested in motility, women's health, inflammatory bowel disease. And I was able to come in and bring a lot of that to the practice. And so to me, that was really important to be able to like come in uh, on something at the ground level and build it up. Whereas at other places in academics is already in place. And so I would just be almost like another cog in the wheel, which is not a bad thing necessarily. It's just, I was really excited about this opportunity. I joined, I finished my fellowship in 2014 and then joined the practice a few months later. And I just, it's a great place to work. Um, I, you know, my husband actually was an academics. He's also a gastroenterologist. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> have a dual GI family, a lot of poop talk. Um, but yep. <laughs> but um, anyway, so he actually was kind of, you know, finding his job a little tedious and he was interested in also joining the practice. And so like nine months later, he joined the practice and we both worked there. I became partners two years afterwards. And that's where I feel like I've really gotten into the business of medicine I didn't do an MBA, but I feel like I'm learning a lot about business just by being a part owner in this practice. And I'm a partial owner in our endoscopy center as well. So it's like a lot of on the job learning. Um, but I really do wish and I would love at some point to even go talk to medical students or residents just about what it means to be a small business owner as a physician. That is such a huge need. You know, I recently graduated from residency and because I trained at such a large academic institution, a lot of those things are already in place. But now I actually work in a very small practice in right. a rural town. And so I sit in on all of the executive meetings for the hospital. And sometimes I'm just mind blown as to how much goes into running, you know, these healthcare facilities. Agreed. And honestly, I can say as someone who just graduated from residency not that long ago, this information is totally needed. So please, I hope to see you like developing a curriculum for this sometime soon. Necessary. I feel like uh, we're really like putting our medical students at a lot. Like there's a lot of things that are missing from uh, kind of like the med student resident curriculum. Nutrition is another one, I think, honestly. But uh, <laughs> anyway, that, that's another topic for another day. Yeah, right? okay, so we have two more podcasts to come back and record. <laughs> so let's talk a little more about obesity medicine, because you are also board certified in this. And I really want us to have an honest conversation with our audience here about this. So first of all, how'd you even become interested in this field? 
Right. You know, like I said, I started my, uh, I started as gastroenterologist in 2014, going along, kind of building my practice. I would say 2016 timeframe, started to see a larger influx of patients with fatty liver disease. Their primary care is, you know, just kind of a yearly checkup. They would get labs, see that their liver enzymes were elevated, get an ultrasound. Ultrasound is showing evidence of fat in the liver. So we would end up seeing the patient and I would just be like, okay, we rule out every other cause likely fatty liver associated with kind of metabolic syndrome, increased weight gain. So how do we deal with this? Uh, you need to go diet and exercise for six months, come back, we'll check, recheck everything and you should be better because you should have lost weight by then. So that was kind of my, <laughs> that was kind of my, you know, prescription and homework for patients. And of course it failed miserably because you can't just give someone like that advice and send them off for six months and expect to have any sort of real change. One person came back and lost weight and reversed her fatty liver, but only one out of hundreds of people. So um, in 2017, I started to think like, wow, I'm really not helping my patients by saying and doing this. So let me really kind of figure this out more. And so um, Harvard puts on a course every year called the Blackburn Course of Obesity. So I did that, learned a lot about obesity medicine just from that, learned that there is like, you know, an obesity board exam and you can become, you know, board certified and specialize in this as well. And it's multi-fat, multi, um, uh, disciplinary like OBGYN, surgeons, internal medicine, endocrinology, um, pediatrics, all sorts of people were at this uh, meeting. And so uh, I started getting more into it. Um, and uh, my children are are younger and I was just trying to like, you know, make sure that they were okay. But now over the last year or so, I went to another conference, um, was getting more involved, seeing more patients. Um, at our hospital, we have a very good bariatric surgery program, but the medical part of it was really not in place. So, uh, you know, I approached them and said, hey, you know, why don't we build a comprehensive medical weight loss center to service all the patients and not just have surgery as an only option because I don't think that's, you know, really doing justice to our patient population. And so got board certified, took my boards in February and uh, yeah, the rest is history. And I think it's just a really important uh, issue that we're facing um, now as well as in the future. So let's address some issues that our millennial audience is facing. I think that starts with first defining obesity, because I do want to stress that this is not fat shaming, right? We acknowledge that you can be healthy at any size, but this is a real medical condition. So let's exactly. start there. Perfect. So for me, like you beautifully said, this is not uh, body shaming in any way. Obesity, it's a chronic, progressive, relapsing, multifactorial medical condition that is faced by almost 45% of the U.S. population currently. It causes, you know, it, neurobehavioral, it causes psychosocial issues. It's one of these things that we have to work at. We have to treat it like a disease like hypertension or diabetes. We have to look at it that way. Unfortunately, it has these beauty and cosmetic implications just by the function of what it is. But for me, when I see a patient, I don't even think about that. I think how are you as a, so I see a lot of young people in their 20s and 30s who come to me with problems and they don't have any true medical issues at this point, but um, some of their knees are starting to hurt. So thinking about arthritis as, you know, the decades um, progress. And for me, it's just being able to ensure that you don't have to go on, on medications and ensuring that the next several decades of your life are free from chronic disease. That's the reason. And that is where I, I, I'm coming from when I talk about obesity. 
I absolutely love that you said that. I think it's just so important to clarify that, you know, especially uh, to our audience. So you alluded to this before that in 2017, you had this epiphany that I need to do more for my patients. So what are some of the options now that you do have for patients that include more than, hey, loosen weight and come back and see me in six months? (laughs) So when when I first see someone who comes in to, you know, discuss this, we talk about what exactly their goal is. And oftentimes it's a number. I want to lose, you know, X number of pounds or it's, I want to get off this medication or I just don't want to, I want to be able to keep up with my kids. And so we just talk about, just get to get a general sense of what um, people's goals are. And then we discuss, the first thing I discuss is lifestyle. That is the first thing we talk about, um, really get a sense of what people's diets are. I, you know, People may think they're they're eating a healthy diet, but then I get a lot of soda and juice and things like that. Um, so we discuss even just like small steps to um, to make within a diet. Maybe trying to do meatless Monday, moving towards a more plant based or Mediterranean diet. Think about time restricted eating, so making sure after you eat dinner to try and avoid snacking late into the night. Um, simple changes like that. Uh, intermittent fasting has come up. And exercise has not uh, been shown to help people lose weight, but it's a good way, obviously, just for cardiovascular improvement, mind, like just the endorphins and improvement in mood, um, and actually weight maintenance. So just making sure that people are just active at least half an hour to 45 minutes a day. We're obviously an increasingly sedentary um, society. And so just trying to ensure that people are up and moving, keep their bodies moving. Another thing we talk about is sleep. Sleep is honestly the most important thing, because if you don't get good sleep at night, all of the other changes you make in your life, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Sleep is restorative. It works to help our hormones. It works for immune regulation. It works for appetite um, regulation as well. So if, you know, someone is drinking a lot of caffeine and not getting good sleep or their sleep is disturbed for whatever reason, or they're working second shift and their job is, you know, interfering with circadian rhythms, those are all things that we discuss to figure out how we can troubleshoot. Um, You know, we talk about good sleep hygiene, sticking to a schedule for proper sleep and wake, avoiding alcohol late at night to ensure good restful sleep, um, avoiding screen time, coming up with some sort of relaxing bedtime ritual. I just really hammer home sleep just because as Americans, a third of the population is getting less than seven hours of sleep, which is just not restorative in any way. And then the other part, we talk about stress, just like stress levels, general stress. A lot of people have family stress, work stress, relationship stress. So it's just a lot of different things that because stress kind of increases our cortisol levels, which kind of put our bodies in this constant state of thinking something is wrong. And so just being sure that we address all of these different lifestyle things and figure out what changes we can make um, before going to other uh, treatment options. I think that's a really good place for our patients to start. And I think, you know, just to everyone listening, these are things that you can actually get the ball rolling on, right, right? by yourself, you know. I know that you share a lot of really good content on your page. I also um, had another physician on and we had a wonderful uh, conversation about heart health as well. And so on her page, HealthWise, there's a lot of really great information. I'm also going into plant-based nutrition uh, in this kind of a series of episodes I have coming up. And we even uh, talk specifically about diets, just addressing some of the diets. So that's actually another episode coming up in this series. So I think we're on like a get your life healthy (laughs) sort of sort of kick right now. So that's super important. 
All right. So one other thing I really wanted to touch on in regards to obesity, you know, as we're recording this, we're still in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, COVID-19. And according to the CDC, which is still a very trusted source, by the way. So one of the few. Please keep using the CDC to get up-to-date information, right? But according to them, severe obesity, which is defined as a body mass index greater than 40, right, puts people at higher risk for complications from COVID-19. Can you tell us a little more about this? Why is that the case? Right. So obesity in general has shown to uh, increase the risk of severe obesity. you know, cases in the kind of uh, treatment course of COVID-19. The reason is because uh, obesity is thought to be a pro-inflammatory state. So uh, excess fat in the body releases a lot of cytokines or inflammatory markers in general. And that leads to kind of inflammatory issues, you know, with regards to arthritis or heart disease or diabetes, thyroid issues. So this is all kind of um, connected. And so when you're already producing these kind of increased inflammatory markers, and then you have COVID on top of it, you're going to have this really true pro-inflammatory state, um, increased risk of clotting, all these kinds of things. And actually, so there have been several studies, actually a study came out that was done um, in China, where uh, basically they looked at 150 adults that were hospitalized in China in January and February. Half of them had carried a diagnosis of obesity. And uh, these people were three times uh, more likely to have severe COVID, had a longer um, stay in the hospital and had higher inflammatory marker uh, blood tests testing as well. And I think we've seen it all over the country, including New York, Seattle, just increased severity in course, longer hospitalizations, and just also when uh, and more likely to be on the breathing machines. And, you know, patients who have obesity, it's, it's a little bit harder also to put them on the breathing machine. So it's just increased uh, issues. And uh, I think we were seeing them more in younger populations. So initially, it was thought, obviously, people who are older have more chronic diseases, they're going to have a worse course. But then in the younger patients, we were seeing it in those who had higher BMI. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, thank you so much for that wonderful explanation. Yeah. I don't think I've actually heard it like that before. So I <laughs> think that was a really great way to break it down. So if you could stand on a mountaintop as an obesity medicine physician, in addition to all of your other hats, right? What is one piece of advice that you really wish you could share with, especially all of your millennials that you see, you know, coming through clinic or in the hospital? What would you really want them to know? I just really want them to know that, again, this is not something um, cosmetic. This is not a standard of beauty that we're trying to achieve. We're trying to ensure that you, everyone leads a healthy lifestyle, uh, trying to make right choices about diet, trying to Im- improve your exercise, just trying to uh, look at this as a medical condition and uh, not, again, as a cosmetic thing, just so that you can avoid medical issues further down the line. I don't want to see you know, someone in their 30s, pre-diabetes or heart disease, you know, we're, we're seeing increasing risks of heart disease and cancer all associated with uh, obesity and higher BMI. So I want everyone to be healthy. I want people that live, you know, fruitful lives and not have to worry about, you know, being tied to medications or seeing physicians regularly. That is the most important thing for me. I love that. And I share that philosophy. I say your health 
is your wealth, you know, no matter what else you have, if you are not healthy, you know, you almost kind of have to wonder all about it. So I would like for you to share with our audience, where could we find you online? Where can we continue to get all of this awesome advice that you have to share? Sure. So uh, you can follow me on my Instagram handle. It's uh, Gutsy Girl MD. Uh, I put a lot of GI content, obesity content. I put recipes on there as well. I've been doing some Instagram lives uh, with other physicians who share some similar um, things. I we talk about pl- I'm uh, you know plant based, so we talk about plant based diet as well. So a lot of good content on there. Uh, yeah, you can DM me on my Instagram and I usually respond within a day or so about, again, no like medical advice, but just kind of, you know, point you in the direction of where you can find things. Uh, but happy to help. Thank you. This was so awesome. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much, Jay. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Millennial Health Podcast. Though my goal is to share some valuable information and draw awareness to some important health issues. I encourage you to please consult your physician for personalized medical advice. I hope this information was beneficial to you. And if so, please subscribe to the Millennial Health Podcast and share with your friends. Please also leave us a review. If you have questions or comments, feel free to reach out on Instagram or Twitter at Dr. Jay Sheree, D-R-J-A-Y-S-H-E-R-E-E.